Candidly acknowledging the needs to choose hope, and for good reason. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. I need to choose day by day to trust in the Lord, to remember His Word, and to cling to hope, to hold on, and to allow God to be my encouragement and my strength. Today is a call to return to hope, church. That faithful, confident trust in our well-known God. This is amazing grace. is something we can choose to have, but only if there's a real basis for it, or else it's pie in the sky, by and by. But for the Christian, the pie is real. On this Labor Day, we welcome you to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. The need for hope in today's world cannot be overstated. Today and in the coming days, we consider our hope and the reasons for it. Here now at this very timely topic is Pastor Ed. You open your Bibles, please, to John's Gospel, chapter 14. We wanted to step outside of the With series that we've been in and talk about this topic of hope. The title of our message today in John 14 is Contagious Hope. Because true hope cannot be contained. It cannot be stopped. Hope is that powerful expectation of great things. Like the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 116, Uphold me according to your word that I may live and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. And the text I almost chose for our time today, Romans chapter 5, verse 5 tells us that hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. So encouraging. But compare that to the recent statistics and surveys that are out that one out of 20 people are depressed or anxious. That's 5%. 5% of everyone report being depressed or anxious. And considering the current population numbers, that's 16,200,000 people reporting being depressed. That's 45,000 people every day the whole year. And with the COVID-19 crisis and the stay at home and the safer at home and do I have it and this invisible virus that's wreaked havoc and then man's decision on how to handle it, all of that, this opinion over here and this doctor over there and this, all of it, which for, for many, hope is gone. And I wonder if that's your testimony, that hope is gone, that in your life's hope has been stolen away and replaced with anxiety. That the painful circumstances in your life have got your eyes off of faith and away from the faithfulness of God. Even studies suggest further that high levels of stress and worry can actually lead to a number of diseases, including heart attacks, ulcers, depression, nervous breakdowns. Some cancers can be related to stress. They say up to 90% of doctor visits in the United States may be triggered by a stress-related illness. 
It was George Mueller, that man of faith, that said, and I quote, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. And I believe that to be true. And we have a greater battle, believer. We have a greater spiritual battle, what the Bible describes as spiritual warfare, where the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. What the Bible is describing there is there's the desire to believe God and the desire to follow God and the desire to obey God, but at the same time, raging inside is also your old sinful habits and how you respond under stress and how you respond when you're angry and when things are outside of your control. And many times the flesh is a response of sin, trying to take control of something over which we have no control. And we find that it only gets worse when we give into the flesh. This is a battle between fear and faith. It's a battle between anxiety and assurance. And for many of you listening, it's an intense battle. And it's not unusual. Worry, anxiety, fear are real, true emotions. They're true for believers and unbelievers, for Christians and non-Christians. For the believer, worry is like an acid. It eats away at the very core of our trust in Jesus. Worry and fear are kind of like Siamese twins. Anxiety becomes a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. And if encouraged and if fed, it cuts into a channel in which all other thoughts are drained. Worry has a way of spreading, have you noticed? I guess you could say worry can be contagious. You know, here you are living life, enjoying life, not a care in the world until you meet somebody that's worried. And they, they begin to share all these things with you and they forward this to you and watch this. And before you know it, now you're worried. You weren't worried five minutes earlier, but now you're worried. And what do you do? You share, have you heard this? Have you seen this? And worry and fear and anxiety have a way of being contagious, just like gossip. Gossip's very contagious. It spreads like wildfire, slander, lies. All sorts of things are contagious for sure. But let me assure you, church, hope is contagious too. Hope is contagious too. And it's been said that the only thing that's more contagious than a virus is hope. The hope of the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died for your sins and you can place your whole life in his hands. We live in times where, well, life is hard. We know that God is good, but life can be very bad. Things happen that don't make sense. And maybe it's caused you to entertain doubts, be infected with fear. You may even begin to believe that because you're having doubts, maybe you're doubting your faith, you're doubting God, you're doubting the leaders that are put over you, and you're even doubting whether you're saved or not. You, you might even begin to think, well, maybe, you know, believers don't feel like that. Maybe I'm not even a believer. But listen, life is bad and challenging. And you'll have real questions. You'll have real doubts. And I want to encourage you that when your doubts come, I want to encourage you this habit. I want you to learn to doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. Like Pastor Chuck Smith taught us. He put it this way. When you come to face things that you don't quite understand and you don't really have the answer, you don't give up what you know for what you don't know. You fall back on the things that you know to be true. Yes, life is bad, but God is good. 
Life is challenging, but God got me through the last challenge. I don't know how this bill will be paid, but I remember when God came through. I remember God's faithfulness. I remember his promise never to leave or forsake me. And right now it's hard. And right now times are tight. And right now I don't know what to do. But I choose to trust in the Lord. I choose to be a man or woman that clings to the word and trusts. They say there are two types of people. I disagree, but let's go with that two types of people. First, there is the optimists. How many of you consider yourself an optimist? All right, thank you for being optimistic. We appreciate that. Sometimes we get mad at you, but thank you very much. Then there are the pessimists. Who considers themselves a pessimist? Yeah, far less hands, uh-huh. Because I suggest there's a third option, and that is, if people don't think they're optimists, they don't think they're pessimists, they think they're realists, which is, I'm in that category, a realist. But have you noticed, those of you that cling to the realist philosophy, that rarely does it lead to anything encouraging? <laughs> when you look at the situation, you come to almost the same conclusion is the pessimist. Now, last night, my friend Dave, Pastor Dave from up in Fort Collins must have been watching the service because I woke up this morning to a text and a little meme on my phone. This was really neat. It gave me another option. Uh, in the little meme, it said, optimists see the glass full, pessimists see the glass half full, and then there was the third option, psalmists see the, the cup overflowing. And I like that. I want to be a psalmist. I want to be the one that sees it overflowing. But right now, I'm still in the realist. So I need to choose day by day to trust in the Lord, to remember his word, and to cling to hope, to hold on, and to allow God to be my encouragement and my strength. Today is a call to return to hope, church. That faithful, confident trust in our well-known God this word goes out to the fearful, and it goes out to the angry, and it goes out to the anxious, and it goes to the hurting and to the broken, to those that have faced injustice and feel like things haven't gone their way, those that are doubting today, those that are wondering today, those that are caught up with emotions that seem out of control. God says, come back to hope, which brings us to our text today in John chapter 14, to a group of people that were troubled. They are not unlike you and me, where Jesus speaks to them in verse one and he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also, verse 4. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. We understand this feeling, troubled hearts. The idea of troubled is disrupted, upset. It's like your peace has been stolen. Your peace of mind, your peace of life has been stolen from you. And so your heart, the very seed of your emotions, is troubled. It's anxious. And this is where they are. They've got all kinds of things flowing through their mind. They, a betrayer is among them. Jesus said he's going to leave and they won't see him anymore. 
They, they have these, well, well, my life is planned out, but it's not going according to plan. What's going on? What am I supposed to do? I don't understand. Why and how? I think they even get to a place where they're like, I can't take this anymore. I'm sure some of you have said that. I just can't do this anymore. It's too much. It's overwhelming. I don't know how I'm going to make it through. I'm worried and I'm fearful. And, and this is over and above everything you already go through. Those of you with prodigal kids, those of you grieving, those of you hurting, those of you with medical diagnoses and facing the fear and anxiety of, of an unsettled world. Your unsettled world has unsettled your heart and unsettled your life. And Jesus says to you, let not your heart be troubled. He says, trust me, sons and daughters, I'm in control. I love what Corey Ten Boom said. She said, and I quote, worry does not empty tomorrow of sorrows. It empties today of strength. Worry is a thief and a robber that we willingly invite into our lives. And so what Jesus say, he acknowledges, I know you're troubled. Don't allow your hearts to be so troubled. And he gives you three foundations for hope. For those of you taking note, there are three foundations for hope. Very simple, by way of reminder from our Savior today. Number one, Jesus says, the root of hope is believe in me. Believe in me. That's the essence. That's the foundation. That's the root. Believe in me. He says, verse one, you believe in God, believe in me. It's like he's saying, take me at my word. Trust me in when I say to you. It's stated as a command. Like he's saying, hey, let, don't let your heart speak to So it's stated as a command, but I don't think it was delivered as a command. I can sense the gentleness and the carefulness in the heart of Jesus as he says to you and me, hey, I know your heart's troubled, but don't let it get there. You believe in God? And you're almost like, yes, then believe in me. Trust me at my word. How does it work exactly? It works through our choices. How do we trust God at his word? We choose. There's a choice before us. We choose to believe in God, which makes it, if, if, it's, if it's the word that we learn, the promises of God, if that's what helps us to cultivate and kindle hope, then it makes sense that the word of God, the Bible, would be important to us. That makes sense. Let me just say to you, let me just say to you right now, that if you spend an hour in God's Word, just reading it through, don't, don't, you don't even need to try to understand it. You don't need to know what the Greek or the Hebrew means. I mean, even if you took out your phone and you had the guy that's behind the Bible app just read the Bible to you for an hour, it will do far more good in your life than an hour of watching the news. It'll do far more good. I, I came home from service last night, curious what's happening in our city. The news was already on in my house. I walk into the empty house, the news is already on. It was on our local channel, so only for an hour before I went to bed last night, which probably fits why I didn't sleep very well again. Uh, but as I was watching it, it was just looking at our city under complete chaos. And I know there's a lot of responses to when you see that on the news, but my heart broke. This is our city. These are people that are sheltered in their house, afraid, haven't been out for 12 weeks, that are afraid of the people on the streets, that are losing their property and 
in fear of their lives. And it's just breaking my, this is our city. But then I woke up this morning to find out that it was every major city in our, in our country had some kind of protest and some kind of anger and some kind of frustration that would take me away from the hope. If I watch the news, I always walk away hopeless. What can we possibly do? And how can we possibly change? And we forget. We forget when our eyes are not in God's word. We forget the hope that comes from Jesus Christ. Not only do we forget, but we neglect it. And that's on us. So that we come back to a text and we say, well, why is your heart so troubled? And it doesn't have to be anxiety. Why are you so mad? Why are you so frustrated? Why are you so vengeful? Why do you want to run away in fear? Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. You believe also in me. There have been times in my life, besides the news, that I personally, where I've just been filled with anxiety and sorrow. As I'm concerned in the places of my life and the leadership responsibilities that have been entrusted to me. And just overwhelmed with all the things of life. And yet I'm learning to choose to surrender myself to the presence of God. I'm learning to come back to the basics. It's as if the Lord is saying, Ed, remember what I've said to you. Ed, remember what I've promised, what I've shown you. It's like there'll be times when God says, you know, Ed, you've been saved 29 years and not one moment in 29 years have I ever been unfaithful to you, God says. Moment by moment by moment. Have there been times in 29 years when life's been very bad and hard? Yeah. And there were times, I wish I was only 29, but I got a few years before that when I lived in rebellion against God and life was really bad then. And yet God is faithful. And he says, listen, hope number one, the root of it is believe me. Believe me. Number two, notice what Jesus says in verse two. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Receive that as a promise to you and to me. In his father's house, there are many dwelling places, many abiding places. And Jesus says, I'm going to set up your home, your permanent residence. Here's number two. Number one, believe in me. Number two, Jesus says, heaven awaits you. Heaven is up ahead. If you're a born-again believer, you don't have to be hopeless because you're going to heaven. No matter what comes your way, you can be sure of, you can be certain of the heavenly hope that's promised to you by Jesus. Jesus says, I've prepared a place for you. He's been up there for us in our time period, 2,000 plus years, preparing a place, preparing a place. Heaven is a real place, as real as any city in the world today. You think of the cities that you visited and you're like, yep, I know that, I know that city exists. I know that city. Well, why? Because I've been there. Now, some of you are saving because you want to visit a city you've never been to before. You just have brochures. You, you have Google searches and images. You, you have some travel booklet of, you know, one day I want to go to Paris or one day I want to go to Australia. And you've never been there, but you believe it's true. You've seen pictures. People have said it's true, but you've never been there. And yet you still believe it's true. So some of you want to travel around the world. Some of you want to travel to Wyoming. But you've never been there yet. But you know it's true. You guys with me so far? Heaven is more real than any place you've ever been. 
Heaven's more real than any travel brochure. Heaven is a real place. And I like what Greg Laurie said. Greg Laurie said this. He said, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And that's where hope comes. Heaven is a prepared place. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And you and I are now being prepared. Heaven is real. And so is hell. As real as heaven is, hell. Heaven is to gain and hell is to avoid. You don't want to spend eternity apart from God, friend. You, you want to find yourself as a hope-filled man or woman, boy and girl that trusts God. C.S. Lewis put it this way. All things that ever deeply possessed your soul have been hints of heaven. Tantalizing glimpses. Promises never fulfilled. Echoes that died away just as they caught your ear. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Church, you were made for another world. This world is not our home. So many go through life, though, trying to fill that emptiness, that God-shaped void and emptiness in their life. They choose to fill it with possessions and money and titles and success and drugs and sex and alcohol, and the list goes on. An empty person chases after sin, and sin only leaves them more empty than when they started with regrets and condemnation and guilt and pressure. And things get worse after sin, not better. You see, heaven awaits every true believer. And deep down inside, you're longing for something that the earth can never give you. Deep down, you're homesick for heaven. And hope is rooted in a person and in his promises to us. The promise of heaven. Jesus died on the cross in our place so we don't have to fear death. And we don't have to place our hope in a broken world, but rather in a perfect heaven. Which brings us to number three as we wind down. Number three, in verse three, Jesus says, okay, believe me at my word. Okay, heaven awaits. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go you know, and the way you know. Here's the third hope, the root of hope, and that is the soon return of Jesus Christ. A lot of the anxiety and difficulty you're facing right now is simply because you don't live with the expectation of Jesus' soon return. There is an automatic infusion of hope when you have your eyes expecting the return of Jesus Christ. A sure and certain hope that can be yours. It's a much needed reminder in light of the times we're in. More on this hope next time here on Abounding Grace. In the meantime, safeguard your hope by doubting your doubts and believing your beliefs. Today, we introduce Pastor Ed Taylor's new series, Hope is Contagious. It's a four-part study that we look forward to bringing you in the days ahead. Simply go online to hear this again at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're at AboundingGraceRadio.com. More and more people these days are accessing our teachings through our app. Not only is it really convenient, but it's easy, too. You can download that right now. 
Search for Calvary Aurora and start listening to Pastor Ed Taylor through your mobile devices. You can also watch the live stream from Calvary Church in Aurora through that app. These are difficult, challenging times we're living in, and we'd like to offer you a book that can be a real encouragement. It's Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, Discovering the Grace of Lament. You might think of lament as how we bring our sorrow to God, but this is often a neglected part of the Christian experience. Learn how to vocalize your pain and wrestle with sorrow as you move toward deeper worship and trust in God. Author Mark Rogop explores the Bible through the Psalms and Lamentations, inviting you to tap into God's grace and mercy that He offers in the darkest moment of your life. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Please remember us in your prayers and giving to the Lord as you're able. People need to hear about God's abounding grace right now. And with your help, we can make that possible. You can make a secure donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We'll return to our series, Hope is Contagious, next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 